This is your Womanhood After Motherhood podcast, episode one, with guest Sada Siadat. Welcome to my first podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. My name is Reva. I'm a mom to a three-year-old firecracker, and I am on a journey to unearth my new woman self after becoming a mother. It was a long journey for me to become a mom. Uh, it was like five years of fertility treatments, and I was so, so excited to become a mom. And I felt like, you know, I was pretty prepared to have a baby when I finally was blessed with one. But what I wasn't prepared for was getting to know the new woman I would become after becoming a mother. There were huge bonuses right out of the gate, like a mom's superhuman ability to balance and carry things. I suddenly found myself tucking a car seat with a sleeping baby in one elbow while carrying like six grocery bags and eight of my ten fingers in action, balancing sippy cup, soother, rattle, blanket, and cell phone up two flights of stairs. <laughs> I think when moms are handed a child, we're also handed superhero powers. I could never do that before. But there were also things that started to weigh me down, like consuming my time, like all the little insignificant things that you agonize over as a mom. For some people, it's getting the right stroller, the right high chair, the right whatever. For some, it's hours in the kitchen, week after week, blending all of the perfect foods from scratch. For me, it was reading every single top-of-the-chart parenting book I could, making notes, highlighting chapters, being prepared. And while I was enjoying all of the things that you get to participate in, being a parent, like planning farm visits or doing craft projects and decorating for the holidays, slowly, the things that had always been important to me started getting further and further away. And all the family stuff started to take precedence. It started to become more important to me that everything else was taken care of, but that didn't include me. My stuff felt selfish or less important, or I just felt guilty, so I didn't do it. I think that moms feel like they have to sacrifice so that nobody else has to. But is that the way? When you're on an airplane and there's an emergency and the masks, the oxygen masks drop in front of you, you're told to put your mask on first before you put your child's mask on. And why is that? Because if you can't breathe, you can't help anybody. I think we as mothers need to unearth and reclaim our womanhood, not only for ourselves, but for our children too. Maybe we can be genuinely invested as mothers and at the same time make ourselves a priority. I, I don't know the answers, but if you want to explore this with me, I invite you to come on this journey and discover how other women are doing it, how they are unearthing their womanhood, how they are reclaiming their non-mothering femininity, and together we're going to discuss why it's important and how we might do it. Thank you so much for listening and joining me on this journey towards womanhood after motherhood. Let's jump right in with my very first interview, which is, I had to start with a friend of mine because I'm a little nervous and I've never done a podcast before. And uh, I, I, my, my beautiful friend, Sada, uh, agreed to be my test subject. So my very first interview is a friend of mine um, who is just absolutely incredible. So let me introduce you to her and get this journey going. She is an entrepreneur, actress, writer, hand model, and mom to three-year-old son, Zayden. 
You have seen her on Veep, Grimm, Pretty Little Liars, The Perfectionist, and Grownish, just to name a few. You've also seen her flawless hands in countless national commercials. In 2014, she opened Mentoring for Actors, one-on-one career coaching for actors from around the world, helping them better navigate the business. Sada is a first-generation American to parents from Saudi Arabia and Iran. Her latest writing project is a horror supernatural feature film bringing Middle Eastern voices to the genre. Please welcome Sada Siadat. Sada, welcome to Womanhood After Motherhood. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Congratulations on this wonderful podcast. Thank you. And thank you so much for being my very first guest, Sada. (laughs) So let's get right in there. Talk to me about mom guilt. (laughs) Do you feel it? (laughs) And if so, how do you deal with it? Oh, I have mom guilt, I think, as everybody does. Um, But I really believe that as a parent, your happiness matters and that the children can feel that and see that even at a very young age. Mm. So I feel the guilt (laughs) and then I push through it because I know if I'm the best I can be, I'll be a better parent and a better example. So yeah, the example is a big thing. You know, I had never thought about that until I had Birdie and then realized like all of the things that I say to her, I better be living those things. I better be living them because the example is what she's seeing. You know, I can tell her, don't do that, don't do that. But in the end, she just copies whatever I do. You know, if whatever I say, even if I told her not to say it, if I'm saying it, she's saying it. So, yeah, that's something really that I yeah, just hadn't thought about is the example. And so you bring up such a good point about thinking about, you know, what you're doing for yourself and how important that is, not just for you, but for your child. Yeah, I noticed little things. I mean, if I have a nanny for a few hours or my husband takes my son or my mom helps, I notice that when I read him his bedtime stories that night, I enjoy it more. Mm. I go slower. I don't feel like, just go to bed. I'm so tired. The day is done. It's done. No, I'm like, you want to read one more? I'm okay with that. Let's read one more. And I, I notice a huge difference on the day's that I got a little bit of time to myself in the days that I'm just burning the candle at both ends and I'm done. And I don't want to feel like that all the time. I want to enjoy bedtime stories or bath time or whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I I feel that in marriage too, where, you know, if I go away and, you know, if I go and do my own thing, I come back and I'm excited to, you know, we're excited to like, oh, let me tell you about my day, what I do. And And so I feel like the same, yeah, the the same, where I can enjoy all of those little things that if I was, you know, so tired, I was like, go to bed, then I wouldn't enjoy story time for sure. I'm getting roped into these crazy long bedtime routines, though. I got to tell you, I need some, (laughs) I need some advice. She's just totally like manipulating me in so many ways. And I'm like, this is stretching out for like whole night. (laughs) 
I know. I know our kids are only about six months apart in age, and ours is too. And the manip- and I need water, and I need to go to the bathroom again. And yeah. I need it. Woo! Yeah. yeah, they're getting clever. Yeah, it's smarter yeah. than me. Oh yeah, and and the negotiating. And I'm like, okay, I have you have to go to bed. Oh, I want to come in your room. Well, I'm not going in my room right now. I have to go get some work done in the office. Oh, I can sit in your office, and I'll be so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> my son will come out and say. Are you and Daddy watching TV? And we're like, uh... I've been caught! <laughs> no! <laughs> One time, I have to say this, he saw us eating popsicles on the couch. Oh, he no! Out, I mean, this was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, you're screwed he at cl- that point. He clocked it. He knows we don't eat on the couch. We're watching TV. We're breaking all the rules. And he was like, Mommy... I love popsicles too. I'm like, go to bed. No. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, is there anything, can you remember anything that you used to love to do that you don't do anymore? Yeah, I think sleep came up already and it's going to come up again. Mm. You know, I was always a night owl. When I was younger, I bartended in New York. I worked late. I had just sort of trained myself. I'm a night owl and I like to sleep in in the morning. And I lived like that for years. Mm. And I started to do it less when I was pregnant. You know, you feel tired, you want to go to bed earlier. But I wasn't really waking up early. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll say that staying out for that one last whatever, going to someone's house or, or going on a walk or just staying up a little late and feeling like I'm going to watch one more episode. I don't really do that anymore because it never ends. Mm. The, your kid waking up between 6 and 6.30 in the morning never ends. Yep. So if you decide to throw it all away on a night, you don't get a night, a morning to make up for it where mm. we used to, you know, all day on the couch or whatever. So I miss nighttime like it feels like a mischievous time Mm. where you get to kind of do things no one's emailing you no one's calling you nothing's happening except whatever you want to do and you know I go to bed real early now (laughs) and I don't negotiate I don't mess around it's it's not really on the table for discussion (laughs) yeah um, well, with that in mind, I'd love to talk about what your non-negotiables are because, you know, I've talked to a lot of moms and <clears throat> I find that everyone has their own sort of things, their own boundaries, their own parameters. You know, it's like Sunday mornings, uh, you know, I get to sleep in Sunday mornings and you can sleep in Saturday mornings, but Sunday mornings are mine. Or, you know, Tuesday nights from six to eight, I, I go and do this class or whatever it is. What kind of um, boundaries and non-negotiables did you put in place uh, for yourself to really be able to sort of reclaim yourself in, you know, amidst all of the duties of being a mother and being, you know, in your job and, you know, being a wife and, uh, and, and all those things? Uh, for years, I always was in a class of some kind, whether it was an acting class or a women's group or something. And it was week after week. It would be during a weeknight and usually, you know, five hours because it's LA, you got to drive there, participate and then come back. And my husband knew like, this is it. This is the night that I do dinner. I put the kid to bed. 
And she, the second he walked in the door from work, I was out. It didn't matter how busy we were. And it was not mm. negotiable that I would be late mm. to whatever it was that I had signed up for. It I would not, the boundary was, I'm not going to get roped into our son is crying. Um, you can't handle it. I, I have to deal with it. It was, no, you are just as capable as I am. And it's five o'clock. So I'm out. Wow. I love that. Yep. yep. That and we did great. it. Wow. Yeah. We, for years, for years and years. I mean, I always had a class and it was always during the week. Yeah. That's what it always seemed to be like. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, you know, it, it, they are capable. You know, your husband is absolutely capable. He can do bedtime. He can do dinner. And it, they develop this their own relationships. I have this one girlfriend who has uh, two kids. And her and her husband on the weekends, um, they take turns where they, you know, they will each take one child for the day and go somewhere else and, you know, sleep somewhere else sometimes. or And just, you know, have these independent relationships, these independent relationships with, with each child. So you see how important it is to have that individual time. I will say, I remember uh, when my son was a newborn, I read an article that said, as the mother, make sure you hand the baby to the dad or one who did not birth the child and walk out the front door, even if it's to just take a walk around the block and leave them alone for 10 minutes. Mm. Um, something about like a dad needs to know the door is shut and they are alone and completely in charge mm. and no one else is under the roof. Yeah. Something happens to them mentally. And I, Austin and I, Austin is my husband, we read that and I said, okay, we're going to do it. And he said it worked. It's true. So it's really important that we make sure to give our partners that level of responsibility and trust. Yeah, I went a little further. I was <laughs> Bertie was only a couple months old when uh, when John Vincent for my first uh, Mother's Day bought me a trip to New York, and <laughs> he had to take care of Bertie for like four days while I was gone. But he <laughs> loved it, and it was so good. And uh, and yeah, I think it really solidified their bond and him being like, "Wow, I can do all this. I can." I mean, the house was you know was a mess when I got back. That's fair, but <laughs> but they were both alive, <laughs> so that was huge. That's all that matters. When they're that little, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that everybody ate the whole time you were gone. Yeah. These are the only things that matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell me, um, you know, I, I know so much about you because, you know, we're, we're such close friends. And, um, but I would love to talk about the things that you did to try to find your way back or reclaim your, you know, your non-mothering femininity, your woman's self, your, um, you know, you. It. it, it it was refining me, but also me different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a, totally. as a parent now. Yeah. So I didn't want to just go back to previous me because there yeah. was new levels to me yeah. that I well, really that was, was unfamiliar with. That's and for me. Thank you for for bringing that up, because that really is the premise of this podcast for me is that I, I am a, a, a different woman now. I am, you know, I've just sort of unearthed this new woman and there are so many new things about myself that I'm trying to learn. So I wanna know from other women who have, you know, done it, how, like, what did you do? What, what helped you reclaim and unearth the new parts of you and sort of m remake this sort of cohesive, you know, power woman that you are? So I love power woman. Let's say that <laughs> I just all came day up long. With that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm in. I'm into that hashtag power woman. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a few things that I did pretty quickly within the first year. Um, one of them was I 
hired a life coach. Mm. And uh, the contract was to work with this woman for six months. And every other week, I would drive to her studio and we would have a coaching session. And everything about it was so important for me. Mm. I needed to talk. I needed to reframe my goals because what my goals were were before. Some were the same and some were different. And um, I felt like I really needed support and to talk about that and and clarify it for myself. So I loved working with a coach for six months. Mm. Um, It was amazing. The other thing I did, which was more out there was I took a pole dancing class. Yes, yes, you that's know. what I want to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, actually, my life coach told me to do it. Oh, I love it, that. Yeah, she really helped me kind of figure some stuff out. But yeah. And I thought, ooh, I'm going to love this. Well, I actually didn't love it, but <laughs> that's not the point. The point was that I tried it, yeah. and I was so proud of myself. And it was two hours. Wow. It cost money. It took time. And I was so proud of myself for showing up and finding out that I didn't like it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I was still on cloud nine that I had done this yeah, wild it's thing. It's the act of doing, the act of doing something outside your comfort zone. I think that is, that's so important. I also love, can you tell us about you playing tennis? Because I feel like, you know, you're an avid tennis player and you have told me before that tennis really played such a role in you sort of helping with you finding your non-mothering femininity. Yeah. And I love that you use the phrase non-mothering femininity. I hadn't really thought about that phrase or, or heard it really until you brought it up. And I love it. So for me, I have a very gentle, mothering, kind nature inherently before becoming a mother. So becoming a mother almost re-emphasized that to a point that I needed to almost practice breaking out of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so playing tennis for me became this place where I could unearth my competitive, Mm. independent self that also super enjoyed it. and enjoys it currently. You know, you're alone on the court. There's a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, and they talk about that mental game, that you're alone, it's you and your opponents over there. You got the ball, it's coming at you, and you got to figure it out. And it was really good training for me. I felt like it was a metaphor for life. How I felt that day did translate to the court. And then sometimes after I would leave the court, I could shift that mood and bring that back home, Mm. that strength, that power, that aggression. Sometimes that needs to be had, that independent thought. And it really let me be competitive, you know, and want to win. And it was good for me. It is good for me. But especially after becoming a mother, getting back into that competitive nature and strong nature helped me grow exponentially. When was the first time you went out and did something substantial and left your baby at home? So uh, we stayed at home for probably the first four months. People visited, let us go out to little dinners or or little things like that. But uh, I had a girl's trip to Sonoma, California planned when Zayden was about four months. He was four months when the trip was happening, but we had planned it probably before he was born thinking, oh, whatever. And I remember when it came, I was flying to 
San Francisco. All right. So you're talking about a trip here. I was even I wasn't even going that far yet. I was like, when was the next time you left the house, you know, to go out for dinner? But you're like, no, four months in, here I no, am going let away. Let me tell you. Okay. We, I went big. No, we definitely I went to the gym. I remember uh, uh, a few think coffee with a friend, just something to just get out of the house. Uh, mm. There was little instances. I was pretty insistent on doing that just for my own mental health. But it was a little wild that I was going on a trip on an airplane and leaving my four month old kid for fun. Right, right, right. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. So that one struck me when you asked. Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I remember feeling so excited. This is, this is great. I'm so liberated. I'm so modern, you know, got on the plane, arrived in San Francisco, got off the plane and had to fight back tears in the airport. I immediately felt Mm. like I was too far away. This was a terrible choice. And, you know, I needed to smell my baby and touch him and hold Mm. him. And, and I really felt like I regretted it. Until I met up with my friends, mm. and then <clears throat> I think I did cry once upon arriving. And uh, after I sort of had that release and honesty of I was happy to be there, but it was hard, mm-hmm. it ended up being a really fun trip. And what I loved the most was sleeping. And I remember the girls. <laughs> what you love the most is sleeping. <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> I didn't care about where we ate or what wineries we toured. I didn't care about any of that. With a four-month-old, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. And I remember we had this Airbnb. It was like three or four bedrooms. It was big. It was a big group. And they all said I could have my own room. Good friends. Those are some nice friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Wild times to think back on. Because you deserved it. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, what about work? Because how long did you uh, take off? You took off a few weeks, a little while before you went back to work, right? Yeah, I think I took three to three months. I started to feel antsy. Mm. And so I remember I called my manager and, you know, I said to her, let's just play it by ear. But if stuff comes up and it's a fit, please submit me and we can always navigate it together if it doesn't feel right. And she's a mom and she said, you know, if you ever don't feel ready, just tell me, mm. I'll, I'll take care of it. I want you to, to feel safe and comfortable. Wow, that's really nice. That is a really good answer. I remember I I was up for this one job and uh, there were, you know, a couple, I I made it to like the final calls and it was between me and this guy. It was for a big campaign. And I think uh, Birdie was maybe like like five or six months, I want to say at that point. And uh, my agent called and he said, they want to know what your uh, breastfeeding schedule is like. (laughs) I was like, what? Because they knew that, you know, I was a new mom and that, you know, I was going to be needing to feed my child like every three hours. And I was pumping at this point. Um, I I pumped the entire time, actually. Uh, But they want to know what my pumping schedule was like and how much, you know, how how many hours could I be booked for? Um, you know, I said, I'm, I'm pumping every every three hours. I'll need a 20 minute break to go, you know, just to go into the bathroom or go in another room. And that's it. And uh, and for the first time, I realized the the difference between, you know, being a dad and being a mom in the workplace and realizing, oh, Ooh. gosh, they are they're looking at this and they they're they're, they're deciding on whether to go with me based on 
at least partly based on this. Um, and that was really, really hard to handle. So it's so great that you had such a, a, you know, a manager who was so understanding, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is really accurate about dads can just go back to work the next day if they wanted to. Yeah. It's just so shocking where physically we can't get up and walk and do things. Oh, yeah. It, it's really, it's a real difference. So we're almost at the end. This is my very last question. And Sada, I would love to know, if you had to give advice to a young mom, what would you say? I have a mantra. Um, and it's really simple, but it's just... I am enough. And sometimes I think we get really wrapped up in, are we doing a good enough job? Or how do we compare to that other mom or the way they're doing it? Or why am I so tired? It feels like I'm failing or whatever it is. And I think, damn it, you made it this far. You created a human. You're sitting here making sure they're alive you're alive, everyone is safe, I am enough. And I think if we can just tell ourselves that, it matters and it's true and it helps us get through because the time when you first become a mother is so insane in a good way and in a really indescribable way. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And I think we all need to, to be kind to ourselves and gentle and know that you're doing a great job and that you're enough. You did it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been so lovely speaking to you. And you are just, I mean, I admire you so much. I have so much respect for you as a mom oh, and yeah. as a woman and a businesswoman. So thank you so much for, for chatting with me and, uh, and for just sharing your your light with us. So thank you so much, Sada. Thank you, Reva. Congrats again on this. And and to all you moms out there, you are enough. Keep going. Yes, you are enough. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Join us on Instagram at Womanhood After Motherhood to continue the conversations. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for updates on the latest episode. See you next week for episode two.